With Uber Reserve, good things come to those who plan ahead. Family vacay? Reserve your ride as soon as you book your flights. To all the planners, now you can reserve your Uber ride up to 90 days in advance. See Uber app for details. Hello guys and welcome back to Jack Mates Happy Hour. I'm joined by Stevie. Hello. How are you alright? Not bad, how are you? Yeah, I'm very, very good, thank you mate. And uh, I'm all the better for seeing Ricky Gervais. How are you doing Ricky? Hello. How's Thanks for being uh, back on the channel. My F- pleasure. A few times now. First time on Happy Hour, it's got to be said. Yeah. What What's the difference? No, just this is a bit of a podcast, really. So right. as we were then just saying, there's no pressure, really, to be funny. What was the other one, then? That was a YouTube well, I, I I used to do a podcast called The Jackmate Podcast, which we did at the YouTube studios. Right. And now we do Happy Hour, which is supposed to be a show about YouTube YouTubers and YouTube drama. Right. But every now and then we get an interesting guest on, like yourself, and we just well, chat about their life. I do a bit of YouTube. Yeah? That was yeah. actually my, my, my sort of opening question, I guess. Like, you've you've been on the channel a few times. You've done True Geordie's podcast recently. Yeah. David Brent had a channel a few years ago. Yeah. You must... Do you like YouTube? What, what I do, do like YouTube, but I don't, I don't really... I don't know about it. It is... It's, uh, I suppose, not of my era, but I just say I use it as, as much as anyone else, I suppose. But, for example, uh, I spent an hour watching people pull maggots out of heads. Yeah. <laughs> Always the go-to. <laughs> One evening. I use it for music, really. Yeah. I put on... I'm writing on the laptop and I put on YouTube. I've discovered bands because you go down that wormhole. Yeah. So I start on... Mogwai, yeah. and I go to Hammock. Yeah, and they're like my favourite band for all, you know. Yeah, so I, I but then you that. can end up on some real bizarre shit, can't you? If you yeah, that work, you've, that got, you've got to keep an eye on it. If you like, go for a run and you come back, and it's on this some sort of weird ambient. I don't even know what instruments they're playing, so <laughs> you've got to keep an eye on it. They're playing yeah. the maggot. You don't want to be part of a weird algorithm. Yeah, but, yeah. I wasn't even in. <laughs> I wasn't even in, officer, when it it found that video. Do you watch, I can't imagine you do, but do you watch many YouTubers, per se, vloggers? I don't know. I think you're the first one I was aware of, really. And uh, Casey Neistat. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. He was very inventive. I mean, he was more, he was like a little filmmaker, really. He wasn't like a... For sure, uh, whereas I just slack off other YouTubers. I was going to say, they're two very different (laughs) channels. No, but do you know what I mean? I'm aware of all the, what are they, the bloke who get in trouble... The, Jake I mean? Paul, Logan Paul, those Logan Paul, and who's the tweed, who's Tweedy Pie? No, what's, that? what's his name? PewDiePie. PewDiePie. Tweedy Pie. Tweedy Pie, yeah. <laughs> One of my mates who's sort of a similar age to, to you, Ricky, thought it was PewDiePie. I was like, why wouldn't you? He's read it, read it in the Telegraph. Tweedy Pie. Am I um, being laughed at now? Like you, like you see, uh, this is my granddad on Skype. <laughs> But he's looking the wrong way. And then he's is it on? Is it on? Is for, it, yeah. a, for a channel about YouTubers, we really don't know that much about them, so it's not that bad. No. Well, there's nothing to know. It's another platform, and there's nine, it's 99% of it is absolute shit. It's it like is. emptying a fucking drawer out of a window and shouldn't be watched, <laughs> right? And then there's a few excellent things, like anything else, like any art form, like painting, like mm. music. 99% is shite. Yeah. Anyone can have a go. Yeah. And then 1% is Radiohead. Yeah. You know? 
it, that's yeah. it. So I, I, um, it's weird because I, I, I've kind of almost built a career on on slagging off YouTubers, which is a little bit hypocritical of me. But it's just because I I think with me when I was younger, I, I would I'm I'm from a generation that admired YouTubers, and I always wanted to be one. And who did you? Who was the who was the guy? <laughs> it sounds weird. Now there's a guy called. It's, it's, <laughs> it, it, now he's 28. <laughs> yeah, yeah he's he, a... the Grandmaster Flash <laughs> of YouTubers. Yeah, yeah, the, the OG. Uh, he, he, I think he is about 30 now, but his right. name was Charlie McDonald, and he right. he went under the sort of name of Charlie is so cool. Like, and I just saw one day he bought 10 packets of wine, wine gums, and he laid them all out, and he counted how many colours he got from each one. And I thought, if he can afford 10 packets of wine gums <laughs> at 15, that's a job I want to get into. That's great. Yeah, I remember you know seeing people unboxing videos where some little fella would undo the iPod and talk about the packaging, <laughs> and I just thought, what? Why, why yeah. are we watching that? My cousin used to do unboxing. That's that's where YouTube's gone now, though. Yeah. My nieces prefer to watch people play with toys on YouTube than go and play with their own toys. Yeah. Well, the, the YouTubers who play video games. Yeah. You're watching someone else enjoy themselves. <laughs> yeah. That's really yeah. strange. But they're, but they're millionaires, aren't they? And Multi-millionaires. They stadiums and stuff. One, like. of, one of the biggest <laughs> channels on YouTube is people opening Kinder Eggs. You don't even see the person. It's literally a sort of like just opening. You just see the hands opening the egg and then they get the toy and they go, this is a bear. And then the next one. And it's, it's just because kids go on the iPad and just click through. Dush, dush, dush. Oh, like really? So it racks up all the views and then the adverts. And of course, the kids are going to be watching the adverts because it'll be adverts for toys. That's how they do it. Right. But That's, wow. I wanted to be a YouTuber. And then I, I got to sort of a certain level, I guess you, you should say, where I started going to YouTuber events hanging around with the big YouTubers that I once admired. And they're, oh, they are the most intolerable people. I think because what it is, obviously I can't speak for all of them, but the right. the, the big ones, the, when I say big, I mean the big numbers and stuff that I admired and watched. When I met them, I think because to do YouTube, you can do it on very little work, right? Well, I think that's it. I think it's an enabling tool for narcissism where before it, you couldn't do it. You mm. could be the biggest show off in school, mm. but you couldn't get on the telly to no. do it. No. Someone would go, well, you're a fucking idiot. Yeah. But now you can. Yes. So, and the numbers can be as much or bigger. Yeah. So it, I think that's, it's just another outlet for mm. people, just like any form of, like selfies. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So again, it, it's probably slightly higher percentage of rubbish. Yeah. Because anyone can do it. But, you know, but with that, it's, uh, some comes some excellence. Yeah, that you do find the little, the little golden nuggets. But I find, and this is a bit of a sweeping statement, but I find that a lot of successful YouTubers are often the people at school you didn't like because you get the sort of jocks and you get like the attractive girls that then do the makeup videos. Do you know what I mean? Right. So it's always like them kind of people. But I've had, I've been at events before where YouTubers have come over and they've literally, they don't know who I am. They literally, their opening line is how many subs you got? How many subscribers? And I'm right. like, not even hello or what's your name? And then if they've got more than you, I don't give a fuck. If they've got less than you, then they see you as a, oh, I can benefit from this. And, and, and then, why is that? And I assume that that's literally a currency though, isn't it? Because if you're monetizing it, then subs do mean money. It's not necessarily merit. I suppose within your business, you want to be a success. Yeah. Again, it's no different to anything else. You can be rubbish and be very, very successful because popularity is nothing to do with how good something is. It's not even worth talking about how good something is because that's so subjective. So it's a new way for people to make money and be successful within their own field without asking anyone's permission. 
Exactly. That's why it's attractive. And because no one censors the content, I find that we live in a world now in which YouTubers are consistently fucking up and making mainstream headlines. So the the only kind of headlines you see from YouTubers, if you're if you're not in that world, are when YouTubers seem to fuck up, which gives them all a bad name. Admittedly, that's yeah. what we do as well. Because on the show, this is all we talk about. We live for but, that. But what I wanted to do, obviously, because I hate even that term fucking up. Because if you haven't broken the law, you haven't fucked up. Well, some people didn't like it and they whinge. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Well, this leads me on to the, uh, a tiny, quick little game I wanted to play, right? Because I know you're not too familiar with with YouTubers and the stuff they do. So I wanted to read you. I've got seven. This is like I've been thawed out right, from the past <laughs> and brought to the future, and you're trying to explain to me what the internet is. I like it though. Yeah, I like, like it. It's Jack's idea. Yeah. I like it. I said I'd hate it. It's fine. Oh, so there's seven headlines here yeah. right, that YouTubers have, have made. No, have people made about YouTubers. Right. And uh, I want you to. It's just... Tweety Pie in it. <laughs> PewDiePie pies in it, yeah. And I want you to tell me whether you think it's a genuine headline right. or whether I've made it up, all right? Okay. So it's out of seven, and Stevie, you can, you keep, can keep score. Count. It's fine. Right, so the first one is female British YouTuber potentially kidnapped by ISIS and forced to sell cheap dresses to her audience. <laughs> <laughs> Little guy. Right, hold on, wait a minute. Right, I'm trying to look for the language, the giveaway language of comedy writing as opposed to clickbait. Right. Forced worries me but I think that's probably true yeah, yeah. yeah it's true it's true that's yeah. a tick so why, why how why was she forced well she wasn't it was, it was what right. people kind of assumed her video started getting very weird right and people kind of picked out something that wasn't really there where she'd look behind the camera and kind of like in a help me kind of way mm. right and so it's not only it's a true headline but it's also a true story yeah that did actually happen yeah well, well there's a lot of theories going around about this right. so it's about a youtuber called marina joyce who uh, once upon a time we we met her didn't we she was yeah. a lovely a lovely sort of teenage girl and um she started acting really bizarre so she started like she'd just be a completely normal How woman you tell? Uh, but then... tell with a teenage youtuber she's acting weird <laughs> 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 yeah. She'd be like, hi guys, welcome to my videos oh, no. today. But it was all out of nowhere. Like you'd watch the previous video, it'd be fine. But then she'd be in her garden, she'd be like talking about something. And then you'd just see a hand come in the corner and point at a dress. And then she'd go, oh, I forgot to tell you, this dress is now on Hold sale. On, this is really bizarre. So was it really ISIS? <laughs> no. <laughs> People just went to ISIS. People said it's got to be ISIS because then in a live stream, this is there's layers right. to this. Someone oh, said, someone said, if ISIS have kidnapped you and you're in trouble, can you please make a love heart signal with your hand? And then ten seconds later, she's done that. So it's like, and by coincidence, or did she get that message? And do... who who knows? Who knows? But that is a true story that's happened. And to well, this it obviously day, obviously wasn't ISIS, was it? No, I, I don't think ISIS <laughs> go into sort of the rag trade. <laughs> the via teenage girls. Um, so, yeah, wow. so you said you said you said true. So it that's, that's the point, right? So the second one is Californian YouTuber rushed to hospital ill during live stream after eating three live frogs. Well, if it's not true, it might as well be because there are some <laughs> stupid people in the world. Would a YouTuber uh, do this for views? Well, yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> I don't even know this one, but yeah, they would. What do you reckon? I'd say because it could be true, but it could have come from my warped mind as well. I know, but then you are a YouTuber. <laughs> True. So, <laughs> I really uh, want you to get seven out of seven out of this. Well, uh, it really is either way, but live frogs. Well, people have done that. I'll say no then. Correct. Oh, there we two go. Two out of two. Two out of two. Amer- this is... Oh, no, I'm going to leave that one. We'll do six. Okay. <laughs> we'll do six. YouTuber films himself next to hanging body in... Tri- I know that one. Yes. 
Now that's the guy in Japan, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a guy called Logan Paul, American oh, that's it, yeah. jock, basically. Yeah. Went over to a suicide forest in Japan and filmed himself next to a hanging body. Mental. Hold on. What? I mean, the fact that it's called a suicide forest. Exactly. And do you know what his reason? Because this got a lot of backlash. Um, Breaking Bad star Aaron Paul came Aaron out Paul, and, yeah. and called him out. A lot of mainstream celebrities called him out on this. The reason why he did it, he said he was raising awareness against suicide. Well... I don't know him. I don't know that that's true, and I don't know that it works. Mm. I think we know what suicide is. I don't think we need to see it. Uh, yeah, It's not like calling out... I mean, some people say to me, oh, why do you show pictures of animal cruelty? Because it's happening, and people are doing it, and that raising awareness, the, the shames... I mean, start. Whereas th- this guy who he's raising awareness for did it of his own accord. It's not like someone... Do you yeah. know what I mean? So it doesn't work. That, that defence doesn't work. However, you know, it... You don't monetize the animal cruelty, though, do you? You just you just no. share it. He puts it on his vlog. Oh. He's going to earn revenue from that. And I think yes. sometimes, well, that's the, that, that's it, isn't it? When you when that's you it. you share like oh, I can't think off the top of my head. You share like pictures of like dog like the specific days in which dogs yeah. get hurt. I didn't know about them. So yeah, you no, are you are. No, it, wor- it works with that because someone's doing it against something else's will. Whereas this doesn't work because what's he expect? We know we know suicide happens and it's the person's choice, so to speak. Yeah, Wh- whatever they're going through. Obviously, they're not in the. And these are the kind of headlines that reach. But the you're mainstream. right. The monetizing it just blows that out of the water. Just like when people say, "Oh, uh, you know, medium say, well, I'm providing a service." Well, if you're really talking to someone's... Don't, don't charge them for it, then. <laughs> yeah, Don't yeah. charge them for it. That's... It's ridiculous. 100%. Don't, don't pretend it's altruism. No. It's just very, very grim. Yeah. It's a grim thing to put up. It's a grim thing for people to watch. It's a... Yeah. Like, people are doing selfies at Auschwitz. It's just... I actually know a guy that did that. Can't. Canadian YouTuber claims that Santa does exist. Right. But is, in fact, black. And FaceTimes him in a video. Santa comes round right. later on in the right. video right. With, a, with a bucket of fried chicken. Right. Have I made that up or did that happen? Okay. I mean, that's so offensive. There's no way you had the nerve to make that. <laughs> <laughs> that's four for four. Yeah. That's a fair point. There's <laughs> yeah. all these last two. London, this is real. This I'll tell you now, this is real. Because London YouTuber runs around Hackney pretending to throw acid in people's face for a prank. Fuck me. This well, is why we do this show. Right. Okay. To talk about this. And then we'll finish well, on then, the... Well, then he has to take the consequences. Yeah. Because yeah. if someone tried to do that to me and I thought it was acid and you bat them with a cricket bat, yeah. that's surely their fault. Yeah. That's still terrorism, the fact that it's not real acid. A hundred percent. So you, if you call in a bomb threat and there's no... You can't go, that's joking. Exactly. <laughs> and they go, oh, you scam. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah. If, if you do a bank robbery with a gun with blanks in it, they don't go, you silly sausage. <laughs> You had us all going there. <laughs> so if someone pretends to throw acid in my face, I'm going to actually batter them to death with a fucking cricket bat. Yeah. Then that, okay, is that fair? And, uh, <laughs> fi- finally, um, YouTuber arrested after tattooing random people's arms sat outside calves. So hold on, wait a minute, but not against their will. Well, it just walked past. Like oh, that. really? Yeah. That's true then. That's not, I made that one oh, up. Oh, well done. So you nearly... <laughs> <laughs> that's good yeah because that is a funny that's a ridiculous thing to do that a youtuber would yeah do. it would happen yeah. I think you yeah. know someone's going to listen to this and a youtuber's now going there we go next there we idea sorted yeah. views anyway I think it's safe to say that you're, you're oh, that shouldn't have worked because they've got to be plugged in haven't they those yeah. Now you're going back yeah. on it, going, oh, it's not, it's that's the, stupid of me. Portable. 
portable <laughs> tattoos kit. And you have to say really still, and it takes a long time for a tattoo. Just you a, just it's a like sweep. scratching a Rolls Royce yeah. with a key. Yeah. Where's that? I swear a YouTuber uh, tattooed me. Hit and run. It was a it was a ink and run. There, there was a guy that actually. Do you remember when top knots used to be the fashion a couple of years ago? Everyone was growing their hair long and had a top knot. I think I tried to do it. We both tried. Man bun. I, yeah, 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 yeah. But I'm receding too far, so it all looked weird. So, mm-hmm. There people. A YouTubers went. A YouTuber went round and would just chop off the man bun from people. Again. So cunty. Yeah, it is, yeah. yeah. I suppose that can't be called grievous bodily harm because it sort of grows back. But again, it did does deserve a punch in the face. 100%. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, you haven't got a man bun, yeah. but you have got a face. <laughs> so I, I, it's a, I can punch it and go, that'll grow back. <laughs> your, your, your face will grow back, right? Yeah. And Anyways, then, I think you say so. You're not a YouTuber. You are very much a Netflix guy, which leads me on to your new show, yes. Afterlife, which dropped a couple of days ago, depending on when this goes <laughs> out. But and it, when they're watching it, yeah, exactly true. I think it would be uh, it'd be unfair to not to not have you explain Afterlife in your own words to those that haven't seen it. Okay. Well, Afterlife, I suppose it continues the way I've been going for 20 years, getting slightly darker and more dramatic with everything I do. It's the most serialised thing. You know, you really can't watch it out of order. Not that you could The Office, but you could probably get away with it. But this is like a six-part story, one long story. The mood is quite dramatic. There's still a comedy there with terrible things happening. I play a guy who loses his wife. It hits the ground running. You, you see my wife, played by Kerry Godleyman. I'm watching a, a video on my laptop and she's obviously going through chemotherapy and it starts she says if you're watching this I'm not around anymore I couldn't say this to your face you're absolutely lovely but you're fucking useless so I've made a guide and it starts off really sweet that she's made this guide to, to life you know just things like went put the bins out on Tuesday and so you know he's useless and helpless yeah. and he's grieving and uh He's he was going to commit suicide, but the dog was hungry, so he feeds the dog, and it gives him long enough to think. Okay, I've always got that to fall back on. I've always got suicide to fall back on. So I'm gonna I'm gonna carry on for a while, but I'm gonna punish the world. I'm gonna have one last blast, and you know. So he's angry, and he thinks I'm gonna do exactly what I want. It's like a superpower because I can do and say what I want now. I'm not scared of anything anymore. And when it all gets too much, I can end it. So that's the sort of high concept of it. He works in a a little free local newspaper that no one cares about. And he has to deal with awful, banal stories of, you know, man gets sent five birthday cards the same and woman makes rice puddings out of breast milk and all these things that he has to deal with. In the end, you see that the, you know, those take his mind off it a little bit. The, mm. the banality of life sort of saves him, even down to things like admin. I've got to feed the dog. I've got to go to work to pay the rent so I can get drunk mm. every day. You know, yeah. he's sort of caught in this world of the living and he just wants to be... With his wife, um, i.e. not exist anymore because he can't stand it. Yeah. And, you know, the people he, who uh, knew him when he was a nice, fun guy, they're trying to save him. Mm. Um, but even that's a pain in the ass for him because he's, he's not happy. And it's about whatever's happening in the world, if you're not happy in your own head, you're not happy. No. You know, people don't really understand grieving and depression and th- those things. Like, but I see, um, you know, oh, just snap out of it. You know, it's it doesn't work like that. You see sort of Lisa lives on through home videos and you know, when he was happy and fun. And uh, mm. and I made the relationship real. It's not them walking in the park and, uh, you know, candlelit dinners. It's them fucking about and getting drunk together. It They're is, a real fucking it couple is so true who to love life. each other. It is They're, so true to life. Yeah, he lost his soul, mate. Yeah, there was, there was a specific bit that got me in it when Tony's talking about how 
they basically don't do anything apart from sit on the sofa yeah. and watch stuff. I laid in bed with Fiona and we was watching it and just made me cuddle a, a little bit yeah. tighter that night because it was like, yeah. when we are together, we don't do much, but that is that that means that's everything. What, that's, it's, it's exactly that. Yeah. It's being with someone, uh, not having to talk. There's no pressure. You know, it is. he did have the perfect relationship. Mm. And so it's about that, and that's why it's called Afterlife because he doesn't believe in an afterlife. Yeah. It's about life after his great life. Yeah, for sure. It was the first thing that I think I've seen from you, which, like, don't get me wrong, it was obviously very, very funny, but where the comedy was somewhat secondary and, and yeah. the emotion was at the forefront of that. Yeah. Like, I think I choked up more it, during this than I have with anything you've done before. Previously, yeah. it had been Derek and now and now topped by this. Is, is that something that you, you wanted to get across? Because obviously it still has the humour, but... but... It does have the humour, but it's, mm. yeah, it comes from a different place. You're right. I mean, it comes from anger and it comes from the audience vicariously living through a man who's not scared of anything anymore because I wish I was like him without all the trauma and depression I wish I was like him sometimes mm. I wish I could say what he says and but we're restricted by politeness and consequence the reason we hand over our money to a mugger is because we might have a baby in a stroller but if you've got nothing to lose fuck that mugger you know what I mean yeah. if you don't care about yourself and you've got you're in trouble yeah. you've picked on the wrong guy and that's what happens with Tony and he's trying to be a psychopath so he doesn't hurt anymore. But you can't because he's still burdened with conscience. And if you look back with all the terrible things he does and says, he actually subconsciously is nice to the vulnerable. His dog, the old lady in the graveyard, the new girl. You can tell he's got nephew. that corn. He's corn got it. Niceness. He's got it. Yeah. You know, and, uh, yeah. and he goes in and out of it. Yeah. You know, he's, you know, he's, he's living a dual life. And because he hasn't got his lovely home life where he sits on the couch every night, he gets into scrapes and he gets into, goes down wormholes he wouldn't have gone down. So he befriends the underworld of this little idyllic town. Mm. So, you know, he meets the local sex worker, this lo- local heroin addict. That he can, he can go there. He can wander off down alleys that he wouldn't go down before. Yeah. So it's it's sort of like his last adventure before he ends it all. You mentioned that he, he can say and do what he wants, which which we, we can't in a way. You very much do on Twitter, I guess. And I found a lot of similarities between Tony and yourself. Obviously, he's an atheist and he, he expresses his, his right to say what he wants. Would you agree that Tony is the most similar to Ricky Gervais? Without that, a doubt. Yeah. Without a doubt. With all the... With that... With those restrictions that I can't, I can't even send my suit back if there's a fucking mouse in it these days. Yeah, because someone like you would put it on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> so, it would get a few hits. Though, it? Yeah, um, me me screaming at a waiter. Do you know who I fucking am? Um, Are so, you saying you want to do that? Exactly. Yeah. Well, if there was a mouse in my suit, I think I'd be justified. You know, you do check your privilege a little bit more when someone. You know, sometimes in some ways, fame makes you a better person. You know, it's like I don't believe in God. I don't believe in God's watching me, but I, I know someone with everyone else. Is. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, but no, I think I'm a good person anyway. So I don't want to do anything bad or wrong or illegal anyway. But yeah, I, I am like him, and I wish I could say what's on my mind sometimes because some people deserve it. Some people deserve it, but we don't want the consequences. You know, so you do bite your tongue and you do. Take a deep breath. But sometimes, yeah, you want to go crazy, mm. you know? Little things like, I hate that when you're on the zebra crossing and they don't stop. They know they can make it. So your foot's on the zebra crossing and they go past you and they don't look at you. But I do want to kick that car. <laughs> I want to I want to kick the car. And they go, what do you do? I go, we all, I was on the zebra crossing, mate. But I'm not that person. Yeah. I'm not tough enough. I'm angry enough, <laughs> yeah. but I'm not tough enough. And now I'm famous. I can't do it. Mm. It's so Tony would think nothing 
of of that, mm. you know. One thing I really liked about it, and, and again, it was it was rife in, in Derek as well. You can build a scene to be very raw. And there's a particular bit in Afterlife, I won't give it away, but where Tony tells his dad that he loves him, which I think is the first time you, that Tony says that in the show. What you're good at, and I think this is a, very much a bow to your armory, but you can cut the tension with one little one little yeah. quip, one little line. You maintain the, the raw emotion of that scene. Yeah. Is that hard to do? Because I, I've seen... No, it's it, just be real. Yeah. It's just be real. So, like, Tony, you create this world where there's no joy for Tony. Mm. You know, even though people are trying to help him, his wife's dead. He's got in a job he doesn't like much. And it's even worse now because there's there's no joy. There's lines like, you know, what's the point in having doing something good if I can't share it with someone? His dad's got dementia. Mm. He's in a nursing home. He goes there every day, but it makes him feel worse. And it makes him feel bad that he feels bad. And the nurse doesn't like him because she thinks he's a bit rude, but that's because he's hurt. He's, he's He gets no joy anywhere mm. he goes to a psychiatrist and the psychiatrist is a narcissist he wants to punch him in the face as well you pile mm. it on and you test you test your heroes you have to test your heroes you know comedy is basically someone being chased up a tree with a stick you know yeah. cornered yeah. it's an ordinary guy trying to do something he's not equipped to do you often finish your stand-up tours on quite heartfelt stories, don't you? Like the story about your mum's funeral and, yeah. and stuff like that. Do you think that's important in comedy? To well, have that it relatability? is because I think comedy is an intellectual pursuit. It shouldn't be burdened with people rallying. I don't do politics much in comedy because if I'm relying on the audience agreeing with me and getting a round of applause, that's not comedy. That's rallying. That's who cares, mm. right? So you want to go into the lion's den with comedy you want people you want to say things that people don't agree with and still laugh because they see it's an intellectual pursuit it's a game mm. having said that i think you've got to make people care about you you could have a comedy where it's the wittiest guy in the world but if you don't care about him it's not funny you know what i mean if he's above it all and i think comedy's like that you can't be above it all you have to be vulnerable mm. there has to be something that's vulnerable if someone's walking through life and he's winning at everything that is boring. I don't want to see a slideshow about the best holiday ever. No. I want to see how it fucked up and how you got dragged off because you were drunk on the plane and then you couldn't get your money back. That's what I want to hear. As a comedian, the audience wants to know that you've had as bad a day as they have. If we're talking... Oh, so let's just talk about stand-up because it is different. Stand-up is very different to other disciplines and I'll tell you why. When you write a sitcom or a drama or anything narrative a movie or TV, you do your best. Do your best. You do it for yourself if you're a good artist, not for the audience. You don't second-guess anyone, but you do what you think is the best. And you put it out there, and that's it. There's nothing you can do about it. There's nothing you can do about it. That's it. Done. Whereas stand-up, you can change it every night. The audience chooses it for you. It's much more of a democracy. It's much more of evolution by natural selection. So they laugh, you keep it. They don't laugh, you change it or you lose it. So after 50 shows, that hour is perfect. If you're good. If you're good and you listen and you care and all, all that, right? Mm. It's less of an art form and it's more of a science because it either works or it doesn't. And once a stand-up works, it works every night. It works every night because yeah. people are the same if they understand the language you're really? talking. Really? It works every night. You Once you, it works, it's it's riding a bicycle. It won't work for one audience and then no. and then work well, for another. No, it, it won't because they, particularly if they come to see you anyway yeah. and you do it well and you're not drunk or you don't fall over or, you know. Yeah. 
that's it, really. You can have people in the audience not liking it, yeah. but they'll be very, very rare. Because right. when that's working, it's working. It's working. So, so when you get, just to move on to your stand-up, when you get to that level where you know it's just working every single night, yeah. are your nerves just gone now? You don't have any, you've hit such a level in your career. You've been doing it for so long now. Do comics at your level not really have them? N- no, no, I don't. And you don't have it going alive either because even when you're working it up, you come out and you lower their expectations and you say... Don't get too excited. This is a warm up. <laughs> yeah. And they love being there, seeing things. And I say to them, you know, there's going to be stuff tonight, you know, that, you, that no one else will hear. That will be the shit bits. Yeah. <laughs> so they, they understand <laughs> it. And then you get better and better. And so when the first gig is out there and they've paid 50 bucks or whatever, it flies because you've tested it. My warm ups for Supernature, I've already played to 10,000 people. I was about to say, how many warm-up shows do you normally do before you're ready to actually do the uh, tour? Well, this is more than ever, and humanity was already more than all the Go others put together. Oh, um, wow. Because my, my first sort of few tours, I wrote like a comedy writer and went out and did it like an actor doing a stand-up. Yeah. Humanity, I was a stand-up, and I walked out like a stand-up, and I started talking like a stand-up. So it was very different. And I learned... The big revelation with humanity is that it's all stage time. You can spend weeks writing something and go out there and it'll be all right. But you can walk out there 50 times and it'll be great because you'll know that crowd more. You're, you'll have a swagger, you'll have a... You're a sportsman, you're ring fit. You can watch all the boxing videos in the world and then you have a fight. <laughs> or you can have 50 fights yeah. and, I, and I know who's going to be better. So that, that that's probably a bad analogy because, mm. you know, um, no, I there's, think, there's I think no violence in stand-up. <laughs> but... Like Animals, it was all about the DVD. I think I did 12 shows and then it was on DVD. That's quite quick, yeah. That's Mm. really quick. I had the sort of, the fresh immediacy on my side. It was naive and people like it and the the material was a lifetime material as opposed to two years material or seven years, whatever. Mm. So I got away with it and then by politics I was a bit better so and I did a bit more. As a stand-up, I'm the best I've been. As a stand-up, as a technician, Mm. as a sportsman, right? Mm. Whether my material's good or whatever is something else. And you can get lazy and complacent and times can change. Yeah. You know, that's a a big thing. Times are changing. Yeah. That's things that are almost out of your control in a way. I'm obviously an aspiring stand-up when I fucking do it because uh, I'm very much at that, that stage where I get a lot a lot of nerves and I have to try and leave that at the door I'm also trying to write a sitcom at the moment this might be a boring question for the listeners and the viewers so I do apologise this is just a personal lesson for me this question but how in layman's terms how do you go about writing because I never know if I'm sitting at home writing am I doing the right thing do I need to be somewhere in a certain space do I need to have a notebook with me do you right. have dedicated hours to write like is it different for sitcoms and, and stand up like? again different yeah. disciplines right. different ways to do it stand up there's a lot of inspiration what you see what happens in the news memories meetings people through your life it's almost like found objects particularly if you do observational comedy mm. there's lots of forms of stand up you know some people write some people write it and they're sort of surreal some people sort of do Les Dawson stuff where they do flights of fancy everything I do is true if I say it's true it's true but you can't just go out there and tell stories because you want to go, well, that's not your story. You can't go out there and say, oh, the funny thing happened to, you know, you've still got a, a, a added value. Mm. So I sort of do that comedy, really, and then I right. take it to the, you know, then I analyse it. Yeah. I look at it all angles and sort of see the funny side of it. I suppose mine is dealing with taboo subjects because I want to take the audience to a place that hasn't been before. So I do deal with those subjects because comedy is about surprise. 
And so I try and add a little bit more surprise in that sometimes I'll sucker punch people that they won't even know it's a joke coming. They don't even know it's a joke till the end. So I've sort of doubled the surprise in a way. I've mm. pulled the rug from underneath them talking about something you shouldn't find the humour in, yeah. really. Yeah. The, the thing about writing, uh, again, a film or a TV series, is the admin gets in the way. So to sit in front of a laptop, you can plot and you can use your education in films. But again... That gets in the way. You should be sitting back and dreaming. Someone else should be putting the words down for you. You know, that life's not like that. So I do it really quick. When that thought is raw, I go, that's the idea. And then I know, because I'm writing for me, I'm writing for me directing it. It's much harder if you have to do a screenplay and hand it over to someone else. You have to make sure they know what you mean, whereas I don't. So I can keep it quite raw and in my head. So it's still the idea. Because we don't talk in terms of, sentence structure we talk in concept and then we translate it so the other person knows mm. do you know what I mean yeah. when you're walking along and thinking stuff you're not thinking in sentences you're just feeling it and you've got to try and get that across when you're doing something characterful so dictaphone is good I don't do that as I say I do notes I do notes yeah with the office I sort of put I was me in a dictaphone doing both parts thinking of like a scene because it was more about scenes in the office and there were comedy sketches almost stitched together. But since then, I've done the things that are a lot more emotional and the comedy comes out of circumstance. Like, for example, you say this is more serious, Afterlife, but I think there's something funnier about a man wanting dignity and trying to be serious than a man clowning. If a man's trying to be funny, it's a bit desperate and it's not that funny. Whereas if a man wants his dignity... And he's angry. That's funny to me. Yeah. Someone who takes themselves too seriously yeah. or is in pain or angry about something, that makes me fucking laugh. <laughs> Tragedy is funny. You know, a man falling over in sick on the street, that's funny. But if he's just had an argument <laughs> with his wife and her new boyfriend, that's even funny. <laughs> I, 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 um, I write my, my videos to the word, which I don't know if is a good way of doing it, but like I'll even write specific bits where I know I'm going to fuck up the sentence because then I can make a joke about yeah. that. When you, when you write your stand-up... Well, I do, I do that when I write a joke because a joke is a, is a piece of poetry and it's a piece of perfection and it's the shortest thing you can get across, right? That's syntax and semantics. It's raw. It's like a Golden Globes one-liner. That per unit time that it takes, that is... Whoa, that's labour intensive because you have to. There is a perfect joke yeah. about that. There is a per, and I want that joke. So you get the feeling and you get the idea, and that comes like a bolt of lightning. You've found the perfect lump of mm. carbon, but now you've got to make a perfect diamond with a, this little waste. You've got to monetize that. You've got to get the biggest diamond you can out of that lump. I love that. I love the way you phrase that. Yeah. That's perfect. Off the top of your head now, you might not know, I might be throwing you under the bus, but what's the, what do you think, if you had to pick one off the top of your head, what's the funniest thing you've written? Do you have a single thing? Do you have a joke? Do you have a single bit in a scene? Um, or does it, obviously it can Again, do. it comes from circumstance, because a joke, a decapitated joke yeah. can be funny, but then you put it into a context, and it's amazing. You know, like... Brent doing a funny dance. Yeah. yeah. That's quite funny. Yeah. Quite funny, five out of ten. Brent doing a funny dance because he's jealous of a guy who's just done a great dance <laughs> and he wants to be famous. Yeah. Fuck me. Times that by ten. Yeah. Desperation, you know? Yeah. Jealousy. Yeah. All these things. And 
If that was the opening scene, not as funny. But down the line, now we know him. The builder. Ten times funny. That's why the funniest person you know isn't a professional comedian. He's your uncle. Yeah. Or your granddad. granddad. Or your bloke in the pub. Yeah. Because you know him. He lo- he looks at someone coming in with funny hair and you're already laughing because you know what he's thinking. Yeah. You know what he's thinking because <laughs> yeah. you know him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. it's all about empathy. It's yeah. all about knowing that person. So that's where you can elevate something from a joke. Yeah. So you get these one-liner merchants. They're great. Yeah. They're really good. You know, puns or whatever, they're great, right? But those jokes are nearly as good written down if you read them in your own head. It doesn't well, have to be that person. It doesn't have to be that person. Mm. Now add to that. Now add someone who's shambled out and he's falling apart. Mm. It elevates it. Someone yeah. who's angry about being there. Yeah. It elevates it. Yeah. Someone who's the wrong person for the job saying that joke. It elevates it. Context elevates it. I know for a fact, and I don't know why this is so, but... I can tell a joke, I can tell a, an observation, right, and then act it out, and I get twice the laugh. They've already heard the joke, <laughs> but now I'm acting it out on stage. If I say polar bears are left-handed, da, 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 do the joke, they, they titter, then I do the polar bear being left-handed. It's like they're seeing it. Yeah. So it elevates it for them. Mm. Yeah. Um, after the break we are gonna finish uh, our chat with Ricky with some Twitter questions submitted by you guys Uh, so come back in a couple of seconds Welcome back to the Happy Hour Podcast. Still with Stevie, still with You Ricky. are indeed. Uh, yeah. And um, we, so, something I quickly wanted to talk about is we did a podcast, was it two weeks ago now, with Brian True Geordie. We did. And he was sat there specifically in your seat. Would, yep. Wouldn't move. Not bitter about it <laughs> yeah. at all. But <laughs> there's a bit in Afterlife, I can't remember the character's name, the lady that plays like the boss, the boss's assistant in... Um, oh, uh Diane Morgan. Yes, that's yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a bit where, where she comes over to Tony and she talks about her dreams that she's had, yeah. uh, to which Tony says the fucking boring. Mm. And, and then she says, oh, well, who are your ideal five dinner guests? Those two bits specifically were a segment that we had on the show. Like two weeks. <laughs> I was watching it and I text Jack straight away going, oh, he's going to hate us. <laughs> so if you funny. didn't think much of this podcast before, you definitely don't now. To my credit, I was saying exactly exactly the fucking same thing about dreams and, and i don't mean aspirations and stuff i mean when people tell you the dreams that they've had in night like it in, can't in mean the, anything to you it is so it can't dull. mean anything to you it's, in their head it was magical right? <laughs> and it's also too long yeah. if they just said uh, dreamt i was eating a dog last night and then right and then right you right when you were so and then no but then it wasn't you it was a giraffe fucks i don't <laughs> care this means nothing i woke up the other day and fiona um she was like i've had this mad dream you won't believe it i was like i, I will believe it she went, <laughs> she, she, she went um i was uh what was it she went i was on a i was on a pink llama and i was going through the desert and i went okay cool and that was the end of it and then a couple of hours later we was cooking lunch and she works in a corner shop and she went you never guess what happened at work yesterday i went what she went i had to kick a heroin addict out for pissing in the aisle i went why didn't you tell me that this that's morning right. you yeah, told me about real. the purple but llama we all do it we all say i had this dream or i imagine yeah it's quite sweet in a way yeah it's uh, uh you tell me a real story yeah unless the dream is something like i dreamt i was on a train and I was going to the tunnel and the tunnel was my mum and I was my dad and I spilt my milk. Then I go, now let's sit down and talk about that. <laughs> now we're talking. Now. I'm no Freud, but I reckon... <laughs> yeah, there's an issue there. Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. 
If you could have any five dinner... No, I'm not going to ask that. Yeah. <laughs> Let's finish. Yeah, I'm... I'm ready. But they're quite good. They are quite interesting. Do you know why those questions are interesting? Because it's about the person answering it. Brian said Brian said some good ones, didn't he? He said Joe Rogan, Eminem, uh, people like that. And then we had our other co-host who just went, Frank Lampard. <laughs> <laughs> but everything's personal. Because yeah. that's the other thing. Whatever you say is funny. Yeah. Like I did it with Brent, where you know he'd say things like Gandhi and Nelson Mandela. Because usually those things are showing off. It's like when people say, um, what's your top ten singles? They don't put in Roxette and Sting. They mention the coolest bands you yeah. might not have heard of, yeah. yeah, because they're worried about their reputation, not just the truth. Yeah, do you, do you see what I'm saying? Yeah, hundred percent. So it tells you a lot about the person when you have to compile your list mm. because you're worried about what that person what thinks react, of you. Yeah. yeah. Do you know who Bo Burnham is at all? Yeah, he's the young comedian who's just done a done a film. A film yeah, yeah. Because yeah. yeah. he'd probably be on on my top a, five, as we said. He's a, he does amazing songs, doesn't he? Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. There's a specific one that he he. Oh, it's just I'll have to send it to you. But it's like specific... Tim Minchin, isn't it? But, but, but more silly and. There's actually there's one that he finishes his latest Netflix special with that's so deep about being a performer and having to play to an audience when really he he's caught he's caught between having to appeal to an audience and having to do what he wants to do. Oh, that's great. Uh, and it is so good. I'll I'll send you the link because it is well doing i didn't know if you'd already have uh, seen it what we'll do now is we're just going to finish on a couple of twitter questions sent in by you guys to the man himself james Alleyward says how does ricky feel with people admiring him the way that ricky had admiration towards people like bowie oh well i uh i question it mm. i question that can be possible is that you being self-deprecating f- or is that you saying you had a very strong admiration for bowie i had a very strong admiration and i think music is better than, than comedy <laughs> well I'm embarrassed to take the question seriously because that suggests that they're right. I think they're right. That's a hard question you know to what I mean? answer, yeah. I know that people... I, I wished it wasn't Bowie. I wished it was some idiot comedian who I loved. Do you know what I mean? Because right. I think it elevates but, the... But, but then is that because you, you hold Bowie on such high esteem yes. that you don't ever think? It was one of the greatest musical artists of all time. I mean, really, as a contemporary artist, it's pretty much him for yeah. me. So for a fat idiot from Reading to come along who says funny things, I don't think I'm on that plane. But imagine that I think that it's true. <laughs> well, I've said everything. It's, it's flattering and it's amazing. I mustn't know it because I mustn't feel a responsibility. As soon as I start thinking that I'm some sort of role model, that will fuck me up. If I worried that some people would take the things I said seriously on stage, I wouldn't do them. Right. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I have to go, no, 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 no. Mm. I don't care what the audience thinks of this or what's happened to them. I don't know that and I shouldn't know it. Mm. Or I wouldn't be able to go out there and say these things with a clear conscience. I've got to assume the world is clever enough to get what I'm doing. If I start thinking that I can run an army mm. of... You know what I mean? Yeah. You mustn't think like that. Yeah. It's, it's dangerous. You must be open to criticism. I must know... This is how... I, I say this in interview because it's important as nice you've got to know that as many people hate you as love you and they're both very very important if you go around thinking that everyone loves you you're finished that kind of ties back to what i was trying to say at the start of the podcast about youtubers because when youtubers start and i'll put myself in this bracket you get a taste of fame you get a taste of, of people coming up to you in the street wanting selfies wanting all of that that goes along with it you get given uh, a lot of money for a little work in a lot of cases and I, th- I think we're from fairly similar upbringings actually from working class households and stuff i get good money uh, which i'm thankful for and then i see my dad get up 
Do you know what I mean? Like, and I see him work in a factory yeah. all day, and that keeps that's, me fucking grounded. I think right. yeah, I am no better than any of these I, I mean, out there. And, uh, and, and you've hit on two really good things there, right? Because appreciation for the audience mm. and worrying about what they think of your stuff mm. are two different things. Mm. You mustn't worry about what they think of your stuff. You mustn't worry about the people that love you or the people that hate you. And you mustn't care about either influencing you. You make it for yourself, mm. and there's enough people in the world to absolutely fucking love what you do. If you start second-guessing and trying to please everyone, you'll be homogenised shit. And here's the good thing about all that. So the bigger you get, the more successful you get, the more people know about you. So the more people love you, and the more people hate you. But the people that hate you, they don't affect you. The people that love you, they buy your tickets and your DVDs. So you mustn't worry about... You no. know those other people. You should appreciate the people who come to your gigs and and you know outside being an artist, thank mm. them. But within it, they have got no say in what you do. Yeah, you know you mustn't go. What did they like the last time? You're, you've got as much chance of getting it wrong, and they've moved on, or they've changed, or the world's changed. You've got to keep doing it for yourself and just appreciate the lovely people who fucking pay to see. Oh, a hundred percent, hundred percent. Little story I just wanted to quickly tell is um, last year when my granddad on my dad's side passed away, I went to his funeral, went to his wake, had a few beers, came back, went on a night out. People come up to me in this club a lot, don't they? In this in this club, and uh, one of the guys that came up, I don't know why they do this and I never ever agree with it and I never even entertain the question but they asked me how much I earn right and I thought fuck it I've had the shittest I was was like I'll I'll tell you if you want to know I'll tell you and I told him and he was like whoa he was blown away and then I said what do you do and he looked me in the eyes and he went I work on the cancer ward at the hospital and yeah. I went 10 times him and I'd just been to the funeral of my granddad who died of cancer this... and I thought then when I go to conventions where YouTubers walk around like this because they think they're the big I am it's like no you, you are so wrong you are yeah. so out of touch with it so money's, th- uh, money's meaningless yeah. money's a game yeah. money's, money's, of... money's a point it's a yeah. game of monopoly when it's all over everything goes back in the same box but that thing about your dad I felt that as well I remember I was sort of newly famous and I got a corporate gig and it was the same money as my dad was on and so I did it for 40 minutes work and I hated it. And I thought, I'll never do it again. I don't have to do it. My dad was a labourer and worked five days a week till he was 70, mm. right? All fucking weathers, getting up at five. I don't want to do that and I can't do that. The least I can do is remember, check my privilege and do it to the best of my ability. You know, I don't owe anyone anything. I don't have to. I felt guilty at first when the money came in. I felt guilty. I'm exactly the same. But that you is don't exactly you should, how I feel. You don't need to feel guilty. Mm. You don't feel guilty. Don't need to be ashamed of how you earned it because you didn't earn it in a bad way. No. I've never done anything illegal. I pay my tax. Mm. That makes me feel better. Mm. The fact that I pay my tax and yeah. you know, I am paying back. I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for the welfare state. I wouldn't be here. I got free education. I got free medicine, all my family got, and I wouldn't be here. So I don't even think of that as my money. I mm. think it's half my money. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah, 100%. And uh, I'm paying my rent on earth. And at the end, it's going to go to worthy causes. It's not my money. It's it's some money. <laughs> that's some something money. Yeah, That's yeah. something we spoke about it's before borrowed. with footballers, didn't we? Where like people yeah. say they don't deserve it, but it's not their fault what they're getting paid. It's not your fault how much you earn for what you do. 50,000 people buy a T-shirt with their name on the back. Yeah, like, like so you can't so blame the... Yeah. Unless they're pushing for something... Yeah. You earn what you earn. You're yeah. not the one saying, I need this and, amount and of money. And also, we're also talking to the general public, we earn astronomical amounts. It's crazy, right? But we're not the villains because then there's these bigger guys above us that we're closer to ordinary people earning than the billionaires 
who run the world. This makes me laugh, right? When the, people get angry about someone on benefit, there's always a story. So someone's on benefit, right? They're earning like 800 quid a month on benefit and they could work. And so supposing that's true, supposing they're just lazy and they're creaming off a few grand, right? Think of a billionaire who doesn't pay his tax. He's stealing 500 million from all those people from a cancer ward. It's madness when <laughs> mm. they worry about anything. But it's okay to work hard and earn money. In fact, I think working hard, I don't think you can say you're a success if you didn't work hard. You can't be proud of winning the lottery. It was great and it was lucky and I'll take it, but mm. you can't be proud of it. No, it's yeah. just you haven't done anything. Right. Yeah. I think that's why yeah. a lot of lottery winners often get depressed in the end because they haven't worked for it. They've been given it. I see myself and probably yourself even at, with different levels in our career, but I love the climb. I love the, having to to try and get that, that fruit. Do you know it's what I mean? Like, that's the journey is, is the experience. But do you know like, what? It never ends. No. It's not Alfred the Great who wept because there was no more kingdoms to conquer we're always on the first or second rung of the ladder but you've got to know why you're doing it and you've got to keep putting it back it's just a, it's nothing otherwise it's mm. like stockpiling money is a waste that's a wasted opportunity you've got to do something with it you have fun winning the game doing what you like and getting paid that's winning the game to mm. me mm. and then what let's start again you've got to keep dishing it out and my chosen one is animal charities my girlfriend Fiona or fiance now she doesn't really watch much comedy it's not really her thing but what you do for animal charity so she, she said I have passed oh, on good. her gratitude basically and <laughs> yeah. she, she has submitted a question I'm going to read it word for word how she wrote it she's like you've got to ask Ricky this she said the age old question is never work with children and animals in brackets both of which you worked with closely in afterlife Whose dog was it? Well, it's a dog called Auntie who plays Brandy. Give it a different name. You know, you know what Doesn't actors are like. It. Yeah. She said, it is it a proper acting dog? Yeah, I call, I call her my leading lady. It's a, just a beautiful German shepherd. There's various things that have these dogs that they use on filming, which is ethical. You shouldn't use certain animals, and, and it always worries me. You know, a nice a nice trained dog is treated well. They're, they're fine. They're doing it for treats, and, and it's great. I, even when I met them, I said, oh, you know... I'd rather not get the take than stress this dog for one minute. And they thought, wow, that's great. Because they're checking me out as well. You know, what's mm -hmm. it for? Mm -hmm. And I said, I just want it to be a normal dog. And they went, oh, brilliant. That's lovely. In fact, I got told off by the handler because he was going, you're telling her she's a good girl when she isn't? That's cute. Yeah, yeah. Really Maybe she didn't, she didn't go to the right place. I go, good girl. She said, no, she, she, you tell and so I just had a dog for six weeks. Yeah. That, 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 that and uh, she was lovely and she was just my dog. You mm. know, she, she didn't do tricks or, you know, have to speak and do. Mm. She, uh, she was just around and. There's that amazing bit where obviously don't give too much away, but there's that amazing bit on the beach. When the dog's barking it's at amazing. Tony in the in the water, and that doesn't just it look doesn't so, it look so powerful? Yeah. Just, as somebody who's who's in in media, you, often you can't help but feel who's behind the camera, how, like the shot, how it was lined up, and that I was just totally absorbed in that scene. Oh, cheers! Uh, yeah, it was, cheers. it was incredible. There you go, Fiona. That's that's your question. <laughs> she also added, "Did you hold poor auditions? But you can fuck off." <laughs> <laughs> I picked my leading lady out on looks first. Did you? Yeah. yeah. I, I, honestly, you look down the thing with all the dogs they've got, mm. and I went, oh, my God, what a beautiful dog. Mm. Right? But then she had the personality to back it up. <laughs> like a male order bride. <laughs> I was lucky with my leading lady. Yeah. It's a bit of a weird thought with you because of how you are with animals, but you know how like people keep in contact with old people you've worked with? Do you ever go back to see the same dogs or like animals yeah. that you've worked with? Yeah. I used her in a, a podcast, Walking the Dog podcast i haven't got a dog 
So I said, I'll use Auntie. And she went out for a was that, walk with Is me. that with Adam Buxton? Or? No, it's oh, okay. Emily Dean who does it for the, I think, Telegraph all the time. Oh, OK. Yeah. Because uh, I, um, I thought Adam Buxton There might be more a... than one. Right. And I'm going to use her in the junkets as well. Any excuse. Amazing. Yeah. We don't have a doll. I travel too much and we've got the cat who's very old and it wouldn't, wouldn't be fair yet. But we go for walks every day. I talk about this in my stand-up. We go for walks every day. Right, we've been for one today, right? Um, there's a place called like Dog Pond in Hampstead. I go there every day to meet dogs. I go that hang around and I play with. I know, and in Central Park, I go down to the boating pond in Central Park and sit there because that people and I know them all. I know all the dogs by name, and I, I take a picture of them. They're my dogs. Yeah, it's like money. Yeah, it's not. It's not your dog. It's our dog, yeah. <laughs> and uh, it makes me feel better. It gives me a buzz for the day. It's like I don't know. I don't do heroin, but it's. It chills me out. Yeah. Honestly, it makes me feel good for eight hours. I play with a fucking dog. Doesn't matter if it's not mine. They should bottle it. A happy dog, it makes me laugh and cry. They're incredible creatures. Mm. They're in, they're, uh, 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 it's probably the closest thing to spirituality I get. That's yeah. nice. Yeah, it's nice. Fiona, Fiona was ill for two weeks last week. She had a sinus infection, so she didn't leave bed. And she said to me, um, "Can you? Hang, we've got uh, King Charles Cavalier Spaniel at my nan. So she was like, can you go and pick Millie up? And uh, yeah. I want to go and cuddle her. So I got her, uh, put her in the car, drove her back, woke Fiona up, put the dog on. She loved it. She was cuddling. And then my nan didn't tell me that the dog had the shit, so it shat all over the bed, and I took it back five <laughs> minutes good. later. That's <laughs> yeah. brilliant. Yeah, that That's actually, the other good thing about it not being your dog. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You don't have to deal with that. Yeah. It's the same, but I haven't got kids, right? I love my niece and nephews see them at Christmas but mm. then you go right they're yours now I'm going to the pub you know what I mean <laughs> yeah. it's, it's the best of best of I all say worlds. that every time I see my my sister has five little girls and every time I go there after about an hour two hours I'm like I'm done I, I can yeah, leave yeah great yeah yeah. I you say, do the see, hard part see you in a year yeah yeah I know but the, talking about YouTube videos mm. the soldier coming home from the war oh dog the dog's going, yeah. or the dying person who sees his dog for the first time in the council. We go, oh, Jesus fucking Christ. Yeah. I'm done. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. Just thinking about it. Yeah. Move and then, on. And then you have Logan Paul going to Japan. So, yeah. <laughs> ups and Weird, downs. Um, we'll do a couple more and then we'll, we'll leave it there. Uh, what, who should we choose? Who should we choose? The Broke Gamer says, is there anything you still have to check off your bucket list, showbiz-wise, working with a particular person, perhaps? Oh, my God. But the first one that came to mind... Hmm. I'd love to... Uh, it's not even working with. Yeah. And I'm sort of scared at the same time, right? But Bob Dylan, just amazing. Yeah, amazing. Incredible. The, the, you know, when you had Bowie on, on extras, was you nervous? I was. Yeah. I suppose I wanted him to... I suppose I wanted him to like me. Right. I knew I had to get the shots and do what was right. Yeah. And uh, I knew the song would work and he'd do it. But I suppose... I did want him to like me. Yeah. Yeah. And I assume um, he did. Which he already did, really, yeah. or he wouldn't have done it. Yeah. You know, and then uh, 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 he returned the favour, or I returned the favour, and he invited me to uh, do a festival, the Highline Festival in New York that he was curating. Yeah. I, I played Madison Square Garden for him, and he introduced me onto stage. Which Amazing. Was, oh, incredible. Amazing. Absolutely incredible. Yeah. yeah. And uh, and then, then we were mates. And then I had to remember that it was David Bowie, the guy that I loved as an artist because mm. he wasn't he's David Jones he's not David but David Bowie doesn't exist that's a cartoon yeah you meet David Jones and I had to remember and you, you forget yeah. he's a mate yeah. Mate. Oh yeah, you're David Bowie as well. Fuck it now, you're David <laughs> Bowie. Jesus Christ! How the fuck did you do that? But I never asked him questions about it. No, I didn't. I didn't say. Maybe five in in the ten years I knew him, I might have asked him about one song or that. And is that true? You said right. You know, it just didn't seem important. But yeah, 
That's re- I think that's kind of respectful as well because you yeah. when you're on a, when you're on a mate level, you don't want to constantly be quizzed about. But your, then sometimes your you find that people want to talk about it because they don't get asked. You know, <laughs> I've, I've met some people and they they love it. But it, 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 it just depends. It sort of just depends. It don't want to be stressful or yeah. Um, it's just odd. I it, it's it, it's uncomfortable if they think oh, I. Because they think that some depending on who it is, but uh, it would be odd to suddenly think that oh, there's a fan in the room. Mm. Yeah, you know what I mean. Mm. Although that's very much what we are of you. <laughs> not, not to embarrass you, but I we, wish there was a fucking fan in this room. <laughs> <laughs> fucking boiling. Uh, we will we'll finish on one more from from the uh, the Twitter folk. Um, <laughs> we asked Dynamo this, and he had a good question. Uh, he had a good answer. So this is the most sort of mundane question ever. But if I gave you a tenner now and went go to the corner shop, what what would you buy? Oh, oh. Dynamo said Dairy Lee Lunchables. <laughs> They're only uh, a quid. <laughs> you well, get ten of them. I do like I like chocolate and I like crisps. Well, well, well you've got to be specific here. What chocolate are you going for? Because you're a biscuit chocolate guy. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of like oh, pure when chocolate. I, when I first got fat, chocolate hobnobs were at least 50% responsible. I could have a packet of those with a cup of tea. Yeah, my housemates are smashing them at the moment. I'm not a big fan. I'm not a big Unbelie- fan. Oh my God, there was some... I don't know. Oh, it was just sugar, wasn't it? It was yeah. sugar and fat. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, they're, they're dangerous. Yeah. And what I, crisps? I, Walker's Cheese and Onion. Red Hot Monster Munch. Really? Yeah. Fucking love them. They get, there's, there's, a bit, there's sharp edges now and they get in the, your teeth. and. Well, there's no sharp edges, but they're mazy. So they get stuck in your teeth. But then you taste them on later on, you get a little buzz. <laughs> A little buzz, yeah. are you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, just found a bit of monster management too. And I was, I was saving that till later. Like chewing gum under the table. I'm just, what, what, oh. I'm saving that till later. Last question. Um, if Jane died tomorrow, would you do smack? <laughs> Straight to it. <clears throat> right. I should explain in context. That isn't just a random question. That, that, I mean, that that would literally be the odd. Imagine if that was first when you to your guests. That's the only we yeah. based the whole hour on that. In in afterlife, mm. um, there's a local sort of heroin addict who, who delivers the papers, and uh, he talks to him for the first time, and he thinks, "Yeah, I'll try heroin," and of course, it doesn't. It doesn't go well. It doesn't go no, well. No, no, no. Because yeah. I, I, I always thought, on a similar vein to that vein, um, I, <laughs> I, I always think, if I get diagnosed with terminal cancer, I might give it a whirl. Might well, give yeah. it a whirl. What you got to lose? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But you've got, you, you've, you've got a career and that's where I about. mean, that, so I, well, I, I did Desert Island Discs and uh, for my luxury item, <laughs> I chose a, a vat of Novocaine. <laughs> Just because I think, you know, the, uh, even when you do silly fantasy things like, um, uh, where would you go back in time? And I always, the first thought is, well, never, I can't go anywhere before, like, 1965 because of dentistry. I just think I need proper, hard, pain-killing drugs. You look, you know you I mean? look at all the you, minor small you, print. Exactly. You go back to the 1800s, you get a cut and you die. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Or yeah. if someone has to pull your teeth out my with gr- a my, string on it. My granddad had to pull out his own tooth with a plier that wasn't even wobbly because he said he had a toothache back in the day. And he uh, slashed his arm, so he stitched it up with a needle and thread. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah, that, Those are... Well, just having your leg cut off with no anaesthetic, yeah. like hundred years ago. Yeah. It's like, no, 
we get there? We're talking about know. smack. Yeah, putting uh, worms in head, <laughs> putting, uh, pulling maggots out of skull. There we go. We started with maggots in skulls and Back we finished there. So it's a lovely, lovely 360 there. Ricky, it's been an absolute pleasure again. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming on. Stevie, thanks for being by my side okay, as always. As always. Afterlife should be out now. Um, I think it, it's released on the 8th of March. Is that is that correct? Indeed. So So that'll be out now. Head over and check it out on Netflix and um, look forward to Ricky's new tour, Supernature. Which is, when are you starting that this year? Well, I'm sort of rolling out the warm-ups yeah. and I roll out a few more and I'm doing because I'm doing it over 18 months right. sort of around the world. Uh, so wherever you live, um, keep a lookout. Follow me at, at Ricky Gervais. I, I tweet about it at least every week. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Lovely stuff. There we go. This has been Jack Makes Happy Hour. We'll see you next week. Cheers, guys. Bye. This was a Radio Staccano production. production.